Hola, habla el pastor Chris García de Numa Church. Estamos tan felices que hayas sintonizado nuestro podcast en este día. Esperamos que Dios habla tu corazón de una forma poderosa a través del mensaje que vas a escuchar. You know, we hear a lot of talks, a lot of sermons, messages about the Last Supper. In my lifetime, I think I've heard more about the Last Supper in regard to Jesus and the cross than I have anything. The Last Supper was a time of lamenting. It was the night before the crucifixion. The disciples did not understand. Jesus faced the cross. But I have recently been studying the Last Breakfast. And I think in all the agony and suffering and torture that we sum up in one word, the crucifixion, that there is a great, great significance in the last breakfast, the breakfast with Jesus and his disciples and a few ladies by the Sea of Galilee, the last breakfast. It was a number of years ago, my father My mom had gone to be with the Lord years earlier, and dad was living alone up in Dunellen, Florida, and he was beginning early stages of dementia, and he had something called a, a dream walking. He'd get up in the middle of the night, and he'd go for a walk and then not realize where he was, and one night he got up at 4 a.m., and he was raking leaves outside in the yard. He tripped over a small curb, and he hit his head, got a brain bleed and was rushed to the hospital and my brother called me and he said you should get here as quick as you can and so I did when I got there he was there in the bed they had done some cauterization on the brain bleed but they weren't sure it was going to hold we all face the day when God calls our dad's home sometimes it's peaceful sometimes it is not But I had a special relationship with my father. It was not always smooth. In fact, most of the time it was quite traumatic. He was old school, a war veteran, blue collar, rough at every edge. And uh, by the bed there with the doctor telling us he needed to drill a hole in his head and go in and repair this blood vessel... My dad asked the doctor for a minute, and there I was with my brother by the side of his bed when, at 85 years old, he reached up and got me by the arm, and he said, son, he said, don't let them do that. I'm ready to go see your mom. In that moment of decision with my dad, I had the greatest respect for his work ethic His commitment to his family. My father never missed a game my brother and I ever played in. He provided for us the very, very best he could. He never came home that he didn't smell of sweat and hard work. And when my dad made a request to his oldest son not to allow the doctor to do a brain operation, I walked out in the hallway and I spoke to the doctor and said, my dad's made the choice not to allow you to do that. Doctor was a little upset. He said, then why did you bring him in here? 
And so he and I had a little bit of a chit-chat out there in the hall. And the doctor said, we'll make him as comfortable as possible. That was Memorial Day weekend of 2014. I have a picture that I'd like to show you. Here he is. Here I am. Still dressed in black, if you notice. Let me get out of the way where all of you can see him. So I had just given him his last haircut. We were outside, and it was a, a, a Veterans Day breakfast, Memorial Day breakfast. And so I'd pushed him out to this pavilion behind the, the interim care facility, and they honored all the veterans, and we had breakfast together. And then I got my dad in the wheelchair, pushed him inside, and that would be the last time that he went anywhere with his son. The brain bleed began to continue, and I remember I was there in the room with my dad. I put my arms around him, and I said, Dad, very shortly, you're going to see the Lord, and you're going to see Mom again. But one last time, I want to pray with you and get you ready for that meeting. I hope everyone that is in here today has made the decision to give their hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because when you're there with your dad or your mom or someone that you really love a lot, and they're about to see God the Father and face that first judgment, it's real. And that judgment as to whether your name is written in the Lamb's book of life is a real judgment. And so I knew my dad had prayed that prayer before, but I could see dad starting to get a little bit nervous. So I put my arms around my dad's shoulders and I got my mouth right up against his ear and I said, Dad, let me get you ready for the next meeting ahead. Pray this prayer with me. And I prayed the sinner's prayer and asked Dad to repeat that with me, even though he'd prayed that before. I felt like in my heart of all the people that I had had the privilege of leading to Christ, I wanted to make sure my dad was okay as he stood before God. And my dad prayed that prayer. I could hear him. I'm whispering in his ear. When I got done, I stood up. I was emotional to walk out of the room. And my brother stood there for a moment. He came outside and he said, I've never seen this in Ned. I said, what happened? I'm sorry, I had to walk out. He said, when you got done praying, Dad put his hands up in the air before the Lord. My dad didn't raise his hands for anything but maybe a football game if the Dolphins won or something like that. And there's no doubt in my mind that right now my father is in the presence of God. And your pastor and I, and pastors just like us, have two primary responsibilities for you. One, to make sure your name is in the Lamb's Book of Life. We will be held accountable for that. Teaching the truth with clarity. Not that religion is going to get you into heaven. Not your good works. The only thing that gets you in the Lamb's Book of Life is that you have fully given your heart to Jesus Christ as your Savior. And then there's a second judgment. What'd you do with your gifts that God gave you? 
once you received him with the rest of your life. Those are, I don't know about you and Tess, but I, I, I didn't like Tess too much. People had to help me. I had to have mentoring and tutoring and a few friends helped me along the way. But we are going to have these two tests before God. What would you do with your gifts? And you'll have to give an answer to how you use them for the purposes of God. We are so consumed in America as I work in other places in the world. I've come to realize that I enjoy being with poor people the most. They're the most generous, authentic, candid. They're just wonderful, wonderful people to be around. If I could be any church in the world today, Pastor Chris and Gabby will tell you, I'd rather be having church this morning in a leper colony with men and women with no faces and no hands and no feet taken by leprosy and watching them sing and hold those hands up before the Lord, knowing that one day they will be made whole again. You've got to find the thing that upsets you most in this world and spend the rest of your life trying to change it. What is that for you? You say, but no, I'm so busy. I have so many responsibilities, so many debts. My children are so busy. And yet one day we'll stand before God and He'll ask you to give an account. What would you do with the gifts that I gave you, the treasure that I put in your hand while you were on this earth? This morning I'm going to read one passage of Scripture, several verses, but they come from the book of John, chapter number 21, The Last Breakfast. It's a lesson in humility. John 21, a familiar passage probably to those of you that have been in church a long time, but I'm going to put a little different uh, interpretation on it as God has been teaching me. John 21, beginning in verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, tend to my sheep. Verse 17, he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said it to him a third time. Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, for you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw a disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who also had leaned back against him during the Last Supper and had said, Lord, who is that that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, what about this man? Jesus said, if it is my will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread abroad amongst the brothers that the disciple was not to die. 
speaking of John. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die, but it is, if it is my will that he remain till I come, what is that to you, speaking to Peter? This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things. John now speaking in, in first person. This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. Now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. In this passage, John never mentions his name. Not even once does he mention his name. Now the first point that I want us to think about this morning is this lesson in humility. After the crucifixion, do you think that Peter was looking forward to this breakfast? Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had someone let you down? We all have. But you know, as I get older, the thing I'm reminded about in my understanding of of humility is not what others have done to let me down, but what I've let, done to let others down. And boy, have I done that a few times. And here Jesus is crucified and raised from the dead, and he says to his closest ladies, you get these disciples to come and meet me in Galilee for breakfast, but especially Peter, because As the shepherd was struck on the head, the disciples scattered, but especially Peter made a complete fool of himself. He denied the Lord three times. He even cursed to prove that he was not a follower of Jesus. It wasn't that he just let Jesus down, he let himself down. Sometimes we're blocked from doing the purpose of God because On the inside, our self-talk says, he's not going to use me. I let him down. And boy, did I let myself down. I think it's important for us at every stage of life to know how our Lord feels about us. Or we never get out of the darkness of the self-talk that demons whisper in our ear trying to defeat us. We have never lived in our society where so many young people are taking their lives. I saw a statistic the other day that was 3,000 and some people that died on 9-11. More than four times that number die every year of our veterans by suicide. We're here to give hope. We're here to give a way out of whether someone's hurt us or we have hurt ourselves by understanding there's only one voice that matters. And that is the voice of Jesus. And so he said to his ladies, you go ahead and see the disciples and tell them that I want to meet them for breakfast in Galilee. Especially Peter. 
I imagine that was a tough walk for Peter. You ever had to face somebody you let down? Humility is built on a foundation of repentance. You know, often people will think that Pastor Chris or I are very special people because of what we do. And that's not the case. We're not special at all. In fact, I'm probably in need of the greatest repentance of anyone that's in this room. And for a pastor, that's the way it's supposed to be. We're supposed to be repentant first. I want my wife to stand up over here. Violetta, if you would please stand. This is my best friend, my partner in ministry. She is a gift of God. We will be married, uh, well, we're married 10 years, May 15th. And um, she she came into my life at a very broken time. The grace and mercy of the Lord poured her out from heaven. She's from Romania. She just got back this week in our project there. Thank you, baby. The reason I always have Violet... The reason I always have Violet stand up in a service is that a few weeks back, I didn't have her stand up. I was speaking in, on the east coast of Florida where, where uh, we were doing the same thing we're doing this morning, presenting Hope Partners. And I was in the green room. It was three services. And when I have to do three services, that's a little stretch for me. And so I got done with the third service. I was having a coffee. She came in. She was laughing. And I said, what's so funny? And she couldn't stop laughing, which is unusual for her. I said, what's so funny? And she said, I was out of the booth today. And so many people were coming up saying, it must have been wonderful to have him as your dad. And I took it as a compliment myself. But at the end of the day, I want to tell you about this young lady. I don't know why she's with me, except she's God's gift to me at this place in my life. Lessons in humility are built on a foundation of repentance. The second thing I want us to think about this morning is the danger of rumors. Peter was wanting to know, Jesus was telling him how he was going to die. Somebody else is going to stretch out your hands. That's the crucifixion. By the way, Peter was crucified upside down. And so Peter, thinking he was being singled out, if John was sitting over there where Chris was, the apostle John, the one who was called the beloved, he turned over and said, well, what about him? And he looked at Peter and said, what is that to you? Feed the sheep. And all of a sudden, John, imagine this. John called the beloved, the one that leaned on Jesus' shoulder at the Last Supper. How would you like to be that guy that got chosen to be at the right hand of of the Lord Jesus Christ himself? And let me tell you about John. It's significant in this 21st chapter. He never calls himself by name. Why? He had learned from another John. Do you remember who that was? John the Baptist said, He must decrease so that Jesus would increase. 
This is not about Christian Garcia and Kirk Nowry. We are but dust that will pass in a moment. But as this young lady sang, that was a nice piece that you sang this morning up there when your voice went to a whole different place. I can't sing anything. I can't, I can't play a musical instrument. I can play a stereo. You know, I can play that. But nice job, guys, because worthy is Jesus alone. The danger of rumors. In this, they all started saying that John was going to live forever. Where did that come from? I want to say to you that in a great time of victory, as this church just experienced, we got our permanent financing. That was, that was 10 years of hard, hard work by this team. My friend Robert Miller. Got new carpet and chairs and everything. But I'm here to tell you that rumors will follow because Satan is the master of all lies. And rumors will destroy people's lives. I don't even know my own self so well that I know all the story. Why would we tell the story of others? Be careful of rumors. Third, let me put these glasses back on. Remember a moment ago I said, you need to know what Jesus thinks of you. Right now, what does he think of you? If I went around and said, let's start right here. What's, what does he think of you? Right now. You're his son. And you? You're his daughter. National Daughter's Day this weekend. Listen, God gave us three children. Matthew, Clint, my oldest, Ashley. You know which one changed my heart forever? Ashley. And if she's watching today, there is no other daughter that has been given under heaven like my little girl. Ashley, that's for you today. In this passage, that it speaks of point three, a great love he had for us, me and you. So when we're at our worst, you say, I've let him down. There's no purpose for me. There's no purpose for me. No, he loves you. There's a great purpose for you. I was sitting at a picnic table at a funeral seven years ago. And the chairman of our board, Andy Steimer, a lifelong friend, looked over at my wife and I and said, would you be willing to go to India? We'll fund this first year in building that Hope Center. And I've got to tell you, I, I looked around. I was looking around. God needs to send someone young like this young man. I told that to the Lord. But all of a sudden in my ear came a promise I made. September 21st, 1974, Stetson University, Deland, Florida. On my knees in that dormitory room. I said, God, I will do anything you ask me to do if you just tell me. I give you my word. And that whisper came again. Do you remember that promise? We live in a world today of broken promises. We just don't work through the hard stuff anymore. Well, let's revisit that for just a moment. If he has a great love for us this morning, no matter what you've done, 
No matter who you've let down, no matter how you've done that. He said to Peter, I'll meet you in the morning in Galilee for breakfast and we'll get this worked out. Number four, a great sensitivity. Three times he said to Peter, do you love me? I'll say to my wife every once in a while, I don't think you love me anymore. It's because I just want her to say that she does. About the time Satan tries to create a doubt in you that God doesn't love you anymore, ask him. Just ask him. He does. And fifth at last, at the last breakfast, you see the Great Commission. He said, feed my lambs. I think all of us this morning, as I close, need to find a passage of Scripture that we tie our purpose to. There are a lot of voices in our life today. Media, family. Someone will probably say out of the booth to my wife today, I don't know how you and your husband do that in India. I could never do that. Does that mean my time's up? I could never do it. Listen, if God calls you, ties it to a passage of Scripture, if it's His whisper in your ear, His enabling and provision and the outcome are all in His hands. And a few days after I'd whispered that sinner's prayer in my dad's ears, he laid down on his side, got unconscious, and we were there in the room when God called him home. I'm getting you ready for two tests. Number one, is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? I mean, are you sure? If you're not sure, you need to walk out of here today knowing for sure that you have received Christ as your Savior and that your name is written in that book. That test will be complete. But number two, do you know God's purpose for your life? And is it tied to the gifts that He's given you? So if I asked you, I know my time's up. That's the second reminder. But I want to say to you today, if you will get latched on to, connected to that purpose, what upsets you so much in the world? And don't tell me what you're watching on Fox or CNN. I do not care whether you're a Republican or Democrat. The problem in our country right now is self-righteousness. We all think we're exclusively right. And it has consumed us. Well, I want to tell you, these politicians and, and houses of Congress and presidents, they are dust that appears for a little while and vanishes away. And only that which we do for Christ will last. We are not exclusively right. Only that we know Him and we know His purpose for our lives.
Do you know that? Many of you sponsor children. $79 a month changes one of these children's lives forever that have absolutely not a thread of hope unless you help. And over these years, many of you have sponsored a child. How simple. My goodness, it costs $79 to go to Burger King anymore with a family of five. What you could do in one child's life. My wife will be out there at the booth afterwards. And you could say, I want to, I want to take on this cause of, of, of becoming a team player for Hope Partners International and changing a child's life. I promise you God will enrich you more ways than you know. But if you don't have a purpose, you need to find it. Will you do that? Let's bow our heads together in prayer. I wonder if there's one person here today that does not know Christ. That you came in here maybe today for the first time or many times. And you say, I have not done that. I'm not sure that I'm ready to meet God. Then let me pray a prayer with you. You pray it quietly right there where you're sitting. I'll pray it aloud. Mean it with all your heart. That prayer goes like this. Dear God, I'm a sinner. And I'm sorry for my sins. And this morning, the best way I know how. I want to invite Jesus Christ into my life and make Him my Lord and Savior. I'm sorry for my sins. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me and that He was raised from the dead. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Gracias por escuchar nuestro mensaje en este día. Si te gusta lo que estás escuchando, suscríbete a nuestro canal y compártalo con los demás. Ahora, para obtener más contenido de NUMA, conéctate con nosotros a través de nuestra página web numachurchmiami.org. Te amamos y esperamos conectar contigo nuevamente.